This episode of the St. Paul Filmcast is dedicated to Gidget and her friends at the Retro Cinema Podcast, a podcast devoted solely to 80s films. And now before we begin, here's a few messages. Whenever I close my eyes, eyes, that's when the circus begins. I said I gotta get in my room, get naked, and enjoy the robot news today. Rob, that right. gun has a knife. How are we talking about rectum? Okay, I... If you enjoy four idiots that sit around in a room and talk about things that put bad taste in your mouth, then please join us over here at Basket Case Podcast. You can find us on iTunes... Libsyn, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Are you fascinated by mysterious legends, the paranormal, or UFOs? Do stories of murder, missing persons, and con men send you down internet rabbit holes? Did you grow up watching the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? Does Robert Stack's voice haunt your nightmares? Then our podcast is for you. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss the original Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Follow along with us on Amazon Prime or just tune in for our weekly podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and social media at Perhaps It's You. Hi, I'm Nick. Welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast. You can find us on Twitter at STP Paul Filmcast. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. Um, we received a lot of new reviews, and we, gosh, we greatly appreciate it. And I just, we'll probably have to go over them another time of all the reviews. Eventually we'll get to them. But everybody who's been sending us reviews, we greatly appreciate it. And if you're listening right now, please just give us a review on iTunes. Um, I'll, we'll get to them. We'll talk about them on a future episode. But um, with kind uh, kind of a kind of a strength here, um, I can't be able to cover it. And I want to go over them probably with Dan's here. Dan's not going to be here because he's still doing research for the upcoming episode where we continue the Godfather saga, where we're going to get to Godfather Part 2. That's going to come up in the future episode for Look for That. Um, today's episode is one of the newest movies that we're going to view. What else is going to be my solo review? And it's if you're in the know of movies, if you've been, if you like reading about them, and you constantly check um, websites, and you follow Empire Movie Magazine or the other movie magazines and stuff, you you've come across some kind of article talking about the film I'm mentioning here. Um, last year, none more was talked about as an independent film than the writer um it's been in every major film festival it's been winning best pictures best directors it's been just on a tear um in last week or not last week last month it was in the minneapolis st paul film festival it probably was the most recognized most famous movie of independence that was going to be put in the film festival and it kind of achieved a little bit of celebrity status and now it's in major distribution i finally got to see it and after a year of waiting to see it 
I was impressed. It is probably the best movie that you'll probably see um, of this year, even though we would probably consider it a 2017 film. Um, it's directed by Chloe Zhao. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. She is from Beijing, China. She came to America to study film. This is her second full feature film. And it tackles kind of the same subject she has done before. She has invested in her first full feature film, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Um, she investigates life on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. I believe they belong to the Lakota tribe. I want to check that out. I might have to stop tape to check it out. I want to get that accurate. In this second movie investigates a very much a prominent culture within the uh, reservation of kind of a cowboy culture that she felt she didn't capture good enough at her other feature film and she wanted to project it here and here she find a wonderful subject to review with Brady uh, Jandrew um, in the movie his name is Brady Blackburn but in real life his name is Brady Jan Drew I hope I'm saying that right also so yeah, I stopped taping and uh, did a little bit of research. Yes, it's called the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. It's part of the Lakota Nation. I don't want to correct it. It's not a tribe. It's a nation, Lakota Nation. Um, they're situated in South Dakota, the state neighboring um, Minnesota. So not too far from where I'm uh, podcasting right now. And yes, his last name, um, the star of the show, is his name is Jan Drew. Um, the movie actually um, features his biological father as his father in the movie and his biological sister um, her name is Lily they're, the family is called Blackburns but in real life there are the Jandrews this movie is astonishingly shot wonderfully um, the cinematography is the first thing you're probably going to really enjoy the, sand, the landscapes of the rugged terrain of South Dakota and the wide scope of lens as well as some of the other things the horses and the people of on the on this reservation and life there is kind of parallel to the land and we're going to investigate that a little more of the themes and tones before I, I'm getting ahead of myself but I want to talk about that before what I think this really is accomplishing here what really works well is its authenticity even though it's kind of a semi true story there's some things that's not really entirely true in the movie um, what is true is brady jandrew it was a real life rodeo he rode the rodeo um from i think for a couple of years um they say people who do rodeo their life life expectancy their career expectancy doesn't last very long um, he talked about it on the local station, the WCCO here, when he was on the film circuit, the Minneapolis-St. Paul Film Festival, and he was out promoting, came on the local TV station here, on WCCO here in Minnesota, and he explained uh, the parallels. And what really happened was on April 1st, 2016, uh, Beatty Jandrew was at the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. They were holding a rodeo. Um, the private-owned rodeo of uh, a Musbrucker. Musbrucker Rodeo was hosting it. Um, Brady was scheduled to ride a horse named Thunder Bay, who had a high reputation to being 
very moody and uh, very difficult to manage. In fact, he was one of the most difficult ones, and Brady took up the challenge to ride him. And uh, based on a points, I think if I, I don't really know how rodeos works, but based on a point scale of difficulty and a point system that um, the difficult horse and you're able to accomplish the win, it makes your status jump even higher. Well, things were going all right until the horse went along the close to the rails and he was able to buck JD off from the right of his side. So Thunder Bay, the horse, was able to buck Brady on the right of the side and Brady, Brady fell with his head facing the horse and with his back foot, the horse intentionally stomped on Brady's head and cracked it almost like an egg. And Brady later motionless. In fact, the video of it, you see it in the movie, Brady watching himself, that, that uh, event, on his own phone, re-watching it again. And you you don't see actually very much because the frame of the video is kind of frame weird, so the rails kind of cover up. But you can see the momentum of the horse bucking him and stomping on his head. The actual um, injury is featured in the movie. So that's one of the first things you see is actually his head shaved to the side. And along the line is the staples. And... I will go back to one of the most interesting aspects of the movie, and it provides a kind of a tone is in the beginning of the movie is kind of him removing the bandages with his own pocket knife, removing the staple so he could see it. He's had, had he's having a difficult time um, sleeping or whatever, and he gets up in the middle of the night with a very interesting colored f lighted shot uh, frame, and he seemingly it plucks it out. You can actually hear it, the staples removed from his head, and then he's very meticulously investigates the injury. Um, this movie will be categorized as a Western. I don't feel comfortable saying that. I don't think it has a kind of a Western feel to it, a Western's kind of a genre. Um, I think it investigates cowboyism or cowboy ways, and I think that's what is probably the prominent thing that you will see as you watch the movie The Rider. But I'm hesitant to call it a Western because it's dealing with a purpose of identity. And that, I think, is the most important question this movie is asking. Because in the movie, as in real life, Brady is done with the rodeo. Completely done. There's no way he wants to risk it again. He'll go kill himself. And all that he wanted to do was do the rodeo. And it's a, a dreadful thing of something that you're really good at. And I feel it's horrible. If something that you're really good at is taken away from you, what are you left with? What are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? Are you supposed to learn a new skill? And the movie uh, reflects that very much in different f f kind of frames of thought because they use a horse as a kind of a frame of his life and they use the setup of, of his location because there's not a very much options for people who live on this reservation you know there's not a very 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 many options and to achieve kind of like a superstardom status and get out of the, the reservation this is one of the few outlets that you could do is be a rodeo star the other really important about a rodeo is the investigation of another character in the movie name his name is lane scott it's a, a kind of a true story lane scott used to be 
um, kind of somebody who was even far more successful uh, rodeo um, rider than Brady was, and he suffered a terrible accident in the rodeo where he can no longer speak, he can no longer stand up himself, and Brady goes and visits him. And this idea of this person who cannot care for himself anymore, cannot speak, he has to use sign, sign languages, and you see him in past, if you, it's not really a flashback, but used as, like, iPhone videoing. They see what kind of lane was before the accident. He was a phenomenal roadie star. He was kind of a rock and roller. He was so sure of himself when he, you know, when he got bucked off, he did a somersault. He was very much a showman. And I think if he had any other options other than what's provided him on the reservation, he probably could do some other way of doing some other outlet that makes him much of a showman. But the rodeo was pretty much it. And it, it I think for Brady's character to see that he suffers an injury, but his injury isn't as severe as his friend Lane's is. In fact, we we know he can see you, we know he can hear you and communicate. And I think it's wonderful that Chloe used him in the movie. I mean, it's very hard to use somebody of that disabled, probably very difficult to direct him, but there was a lot of scenes with Lane Scott, the character, with the disability, and Brady go and visit him, and, and you see authentic joy when Lane gives him a chance to do. They built this kind of this makeshift kind of, stable kind of look if it kind of looks and feels like a horse for him when he's in the hospital and lanes on the reins and you see the joy that's on uh the brady gives him the reins to lane you see the authentic joy of lane feeling the movements of being on a horse again is this a horse movie uh, it's it's used as props um I'm safe to say that there are some majestic, beautiful horses. There's two prominent horses that are discussed in the movie. One is named Gus, and one name is Apollo. In the beginning of the movie, Brady, with his injury, has a horse that's been on his with his family. In his family's kind of ranch, kind of a place. They obviously live in a trailer. They have some property, but they're not really farming. Um, in fact, there's a disdain for farming. Um, there's... Um, his buddy, the Cowboys, they go out and have a campfire. They, sh they shoot and do kind of boy stuff and talk kind of, you know, like young kids do. And there's some genuine feel for them, but they have a profound disdain, like, what are you going to do, farm? <laughs> you know, they have a disdain for farming. And when Brady's living with his, in his family, with his family, they have a horse named Gus. And Gus has kind of been with Brady. It's almost like he knows Gus a lot and... I've been told many times he can have a pet, but having a horse and losing a horse is far more deprivating than any other animal that you can have as a pet. But I, I'm, not, I'm not here to have a contest of what is what, but I've heard many times that horses have such a strong personality that it's very hard to lose one. And with budget restraints, um, Brady does lose Gus, but he acquires a new horse named Apollo. And I think it's the transition she wanted to show in the movie, as well as the many different options that are not provided when you live on a reservation. So it's a transition from him also. And I think that she uses for the story, Chloe Zio uses horses as a transition for him. Um, he once was like the horse Gus. He once was famous. He once was strong. He could do stuff. But now it's time for him to no longer 
do what he was required from him to do. And then Brady takes up another horse, and his name is Apollo. And that is run parallel with Brady's life. I don't want to do much talk about that, but um, I'll explain that a little bit later on. Uh, before it's kind of, if you do this movie uh, review, spoiler free. But yeah, it's the the identity of the horses runs parallel with the story. And I think that was a nice, unique twist to it. Another interesting uh, literary device or component that's used for for the story is a lot of times in the background shots and in this far off distance, there is a rumbling of a thunderstorm. It never comes and it's peppered in there quite a bit. And I think that's kind of like a metaphor of something brooding about to happen that you have this rumbling that's about ready to burst within Brady um, obviously he can't rotate anymore but he has this urgency to do something of a competitive nature and he does have a scene where he lashes out at the bar he does have this impulse all of a sudden to when he's at his friend's house to do some rustling with him so there, there's and they have this backdrop of a rumbling of a thunderstorm not really ever coming, but you see it eventually is going to come. The only weakness I would say about this movie is I'm not really entirely impressed with the ending. I do say when movies are phenomenal, they have a phenomenal ending. And this, I don't know, I, I, I think this ending needed to have something of a really gritty ending. And it just didn't grab, grab me as much as I think a great movie should do. And that's one of the minuses I have in the movie. It's not impressed with the ending. It's kind of a, you know, okay, that's it. And it leaves you waning. But one of the interesting and probably the best things about the movie is there is no judgment about the situation. Chloe is not here to make a political statement here about the situation of what the um, citizens of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation have or the situation has become, or anything political. It is simply a story about what has happened to you when you can't do what you really were good at anymore. And the best thing about the other, the other uh, the movie about this movie is really the investigation of authentic characters. Nobody is here has ever provided as cheap, um, shallow, or wooden. Um, Bray's uh, biological father. Um, who plays his father in this movie comes off as lousy father. He's an alcoholic. He leaves for days on end. He throws away all his money, so Brady has doesn't know what. To, maybe he's just out working. Um, but there's a sense of genuine fatherly love and care for his kids, even though of his flaws. His flaws are definitely out in front. But beneath that, he has general uh, high regard and interest and care for his kids, even though it's not probably priority number one for him. And I really like that. I mean, even though he's a, a really a horrible drunk, his father, but there's not such of a demonization of that. It's just a projected honesty. Um there's also the, a nice family play of caring for his younger sister, Lily, who has special needs, and she's wonderfully played. I mean, I love 
how Lily did her own character. And she's um, going through her own transition in the movie. So she's no longer a kid, even though she does kid things. Like she wears um, Cookie Monster pajamas. But she's 15, and her, her dad and her brother talk about, hey, you're becoming, you know, you're not just a kid anymore. You're, you're going to have to start you know doing some hygiene and stuff and she's like no i'm gonna be a kid that's it you can't talk to me anymore and eventually throughout the movie she realizes there's some things that i even i have to do and i said about the godfather i thought even though godfather is a family-centered film it's more about transition and dan doesn't necessarily agree with me but i see this kind of the same thing with the movie the writer it is about transition but actually, it's more about family. And family of how much you hate them, but you need them. How much they love you, but it's hard to love them back. And what would you do without them? And you know, the one thing that, and it's been a couple of days since I've seen it, but one of the, the things that really stays with me about the movie is authenticity. Really authentic a look, a tone, a feel of this movie. Um, there's some scenes of Brady when he can't do rodeo is now paying, uh, being a pain to break other people's horses. So he goes to other people, ranches and horses that have been stubborn that need to be broken. And he goes around and tries to break horses. And you see a lot of shots of him breaking horses. And you see how he, the mechanics of it, the style of him, um, in the process of breaking other horses it's really authentic and genuine and really interesting to watch and i like how you know to break some horses he has to lasso the back legs so you don't kick them and so he has soft moments and he has ways of uh, harsh moments to get the horses to do what he wants them to do um there are some scenes of him uh, with a gun with a horse and shows the mechanics of how you do that to make sure that you're on a horse and you fire a gun it's not going to spook them and you see some actual you know real interesting ways of what they do to train horses not to be afraid of guns and something you don't ever see really uh, you see him having a real genuine care of his own saddle that he uses for horses and you see the authentic look of what's like to be in a trailer. I mean, I've been in trailer parks here in Minnesota. I've been in trailers. And there's a really sense of, you know, these guys not living for style. They live for, for function. And a lot of these locations, everything is just for a function. There's not really who cares about style. We don't have time to care about style. And everything is set up for function. You only set two chairs directly center of the TV. There's no really sense of let's be you know, provide a really sweet home to the place we live at. Um, sense of style, what's interesting is they have style, what they care about when they wear, when they go do the rodeo. And I thought that was interesting, um, even though they have no really care or regard of fashion until it's time to do the rodeo. And then they care, look in the mirror, make sure that their shirts, the right shirts, the flair are interesting enough when they compete in the rodeos. it uh, That was a wonderful little um, play that I thought, well, contrast the characters. I think if anytime you're doing characters, make sure they have a contrast that's really appealing. 
And like I said, the other thing I really think is going to stand out and impress everybody, especially if you love the language and art of cinema, is the cinematography of this movie. I was deeply impressed with the cinematography of this movie. And the cinematographer name is Joshua James Richard. He's also did the cinematography for Chloe Zio's first feature film, uh, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. This is the second feature film they work together. And it is mighty impressive, the shots they got of him riding the horse. And they probably had to use a kind of a camera on a truck. And it's really holds still, and it's really shot beautifully. It picks The horse picks up steam from a small gate, and all of a sudden in a full burst. of, And it never seems to be cut or edited. It seems nice and smooth. And you have a lot of wide-angle shots of the landscape of South Dakota that I think South Dakota is one of the most beautiful landscapes if you ever get a chance to visit mighty awesome obviously i'm talking about the west side of south dakota where the black hills are because there's not a lot to see on the east side of south dakota and it's sometimes you see things and you're not obviously you know in real life you're like that's nice but when you see it on film it's something about it that just capsulates it and this film capsulates the whole area of south dakota especially at the reservation wonderfully shot and it's beautifully majestic and i think it's a nice well a nice metaphor to the story of the the characters the, the landscape is beautiful but it's rugged and it's harsh to live on and same with these characters they're beautiful characters and they're living a rough ragged life and you hear that a lot in the movie uh, about uh, there's a phrase in the movie they always say especially among the themselves it's the cowboy up which is kind of the man up and that's kind of what they're investigating in this movie man up i mean i've been injured and now throughout the whole thing everybody thinks well he'll go back on the rodeo he just needs time to healing in fact he says i'm just getting time to healing i'm going back out there and when He's encountering seizures and out angered outbursts that angered outbursts that he never did before. He has to really investigate. Is that what I'm gonna do? So the next couple of minutes, and if you want to see the movie before I mention to talk about it, there's something very important about the movie. But I think if you if you listen to what I have to say before you see it, um, I think it's going to. Mm, I'm going to be cautious. Might ruin it. So it might be a slight. Sp- uh, spoiler as well as want to talk about the ending of the movie so if you have an idea or if i draw your interest enough to go see it you probably want to stop recording now and go back to listen to it but there's two things um that i want to mention before we uh end the con- or get to the conclusion of the review of this movie um the most important thing is um so i warned you yeah i'm going to talk about a, a lot of the ending and important aspect of this movie before you see it um in the movie, Brady buys another horse called Apollo. He sees it in another ranch and sees that somebody threw it on the wayside. And it's a beautiful horse. It could be trained to be a racing horse. And Brady thinks that he, and he says to himself, what a beautiful waste of talent. And this horse runs parallel to the situation Brady has encountered. This horse is kind of almost a mere parallel reflection of Brady. This horse is broken and might have the possibility to to start his career and Brady is going to start all over again. 
when Brady owns a horse and there's a scene where he, he's, lo- he's lost and he comes out to a ripped up barbed wire Brady goes out and looks for him and he finds Apollo out in the woods with barbed wire stuck on his leg and shredded and we all know the leg is mangled it cannot be repaired and Brady knows that this horse cannot survive and he has a lot of effort and he just can't do it and he hires his dad brings his dad over the dad executes the horse on sight Brady reflects on that and he goes you know I'm a human being but what happened to me as a human being I get to still live if this happened to an animal they would have put me down and it'd be over and it's a pivotal scene in the movie that explains what the movie is all about and what I'm trying to convey is it's about identity it's about what do you do and there's a lament there that he gets to still live with this he can't do what he wants to do anymore but he has to get he has to still get on living he has to cowboy up almost and he almost wishes that it was almost a culture of animal that if he get this injury that he has he wishes that they would still apply this and it's a sense of dread that he has to continue his life not being able to do rodeo anymore he can do some other stuff, but he just can't do the rodeo. And I think that runs parallel to anybody who has a special talent and they can't do it anymore. The other aspect I want to talk about the ending is he goes and he's going to do a rodeo. He's just going to do it. And I thought this is the way the movie is going to play out, that eventually he was just going to go back to the rodeo, almost like the movie The Wrestler with... Um, Mickey Rourke, um, the rest of us, Mickey Rourke, uh, Mickey Rourke, that movie investigates that he has a condition that he can't wrestle anymore, and that ending plays on that he doesn't care he's going to do it anyways. I thought they're going to do an ending just like that, but eventually gives in and doesn't do the roadie anymore, and his sister and his father pick him up, and they hop in the back seat. And they drive away as Brady and his sister Lily are in the back looking back on the rodeo. And it's kind of a nice metaphor. They're leaving that lifestyle, that event behind. And they're going to start anew again. I don't know if that gives it the punch that I wanted from this movie. I wish I had a little more of a punch to it that this movie had. But I think it suits it very well. And like I said, the movie is wonderful for authenticity generally. It is shot astonishing. It's very, very rigid, very raw, very authentic. And I think for anybody who is interested in the language of cinema, I really encourage you to go see it. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Obviously, it's not a feel-good movie of the year. But there's some things that probably bring a little bit of joy to your life to see the stubbornness. And they talk about stubbornness as a benefit to their lives. Um, he did have a mom and a mother in this character, uh, this character Brady, did have a mom. And um, that gets played out a little bit, um, but not so much. Uh, and I think that's works. They, they brought it at the right level of bringing up the, what happened to his mom and where she at and all that stuff. So yes, 
I highly recommend it. Um, if we had to do a top 10 list movie of the year, I could probably put the right in on there simply because now it's a national distribution, even though if you look it up, it's 2017. So that's the podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, look for in a couple episodes, um, in a couple weeks, of Dan and I uh, returning to talk about The Godfather. Um, we're going to talk about The Godfather. That's it, guys. Enjoy the Try for-